Hey, Ukramedia family, Vladimir here. Quick announcement before we start our interview with Evan Abrams. Many of you have been waiting patiently for our After Effects Expressions course. Now, I'm excited to announce that the course is finally live. You can check it out at ukramedia.com slash expressions. This course was months in the making, over six hours of training, 55 detailed and fast-paced video lessons, project files, free updates for any future releases of this course. You will also be a part of live Q&As with Sergey Proknevsky, and you will also get a free bouncer script by our very own Tim Thiessen. All that and more at ukramedia.com. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and listen into to my conversation with Evan Abrams. Enjoy. Hello, Ukramedia family. Vladimir Proknevsky here, and welcome to episode number 17 of the Ukramedia podcast, where I serve our Ukramedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Now, today's guest is someone super special. His name is Evan Abrams. He's the most requested guest from our Ukramedia's mentoring group on Facebook. Evan has been teaching Adobe After Effects on YouTube since 2009. His YouTube channel generated well over 15 million views and over 238,000 subscribers. Wow, Evan, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks. I didn't even know those numbers, so hey, I was I'm, like, Ooh. I'm here to let you know. You're a big deal. <laughs> Who's this impressive man you're describing? Oh, my. <laughs> you know, I, I asked our Ukramedia community who they would want to hear next on our private mentoring group, and man, the response was crazy. There was like well over 15 people nominated, and guess what? You came in first place, so congratulations, man. Oh, thank you so much. I uh it means a lot that uh, people want to hear me gab at them. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew Kramer came second, and man, they just people love yes. you. <laughs> yeah, Take you beat that. Andrew Kramer. That's a big <laughs> Take that, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so next time you meet him, you can tell him that look, I came first. <laughs> and your media is full. And I actually had somebody on the show yesterday. Her name is Maple Ship. What a cool name, right? Maple Ship. <laughs> and she leads the motion graphics and visual effects wing of New York Post and Page Six. And she mentioned you and Joey from the School of Motion. Uh, she said that she learned so much from you guys. If it wasn't for you guys and she would not be where she is today. And so, yeah, man, you probably hear this all the time, right? Uh, sometimes, uh, a lot of folks like, Oh man, you know, thank you so much for getting me into this. Like, Oh boy, do you always, you always thank your dealer. That's amazing. That's (laughs) like, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing because I, I stumbled into this kind of thing by accident. So I, uh, it's always interesting to hear people who actively seek out, this kind of lifestyle. So <laughs> now speaking of stumbling by accident, now, how did you get into all this? Oh boy. Um, so long, long ago when I was a, a young child, I first <laughs> sort of got, I got interested in, in animation. I think everyone in sort of my age bracket, I'm 30 just so everybody knows at the time of recording, Evan Abrams is 30 years old. And, most people who are in their in their thirties in this bracket remember the Lion King very fondly. That's like their favorite animated thing. Um, so most animators that are my age say, "I saw the Lion King. I loved it. I wanted to do that." I unfortunately saw James Bond movies during that period, um, and I loved the Saul Bass intros of those. So I was a a huge nerd even then. And I was like, "That that looks like a thing. I love this. What's going on here?" And then when I got older, I was like, "Oh, I should." make a career out of out of drawing stuff my parents are like mm, evan that's not that's not the move you can't make a career drawing things look at your dad your dad is not making a career doing that either he, he made stained glass windows when he was a cool guy with uh with a jerry curl and a mustache and like my mom is very creative as well but they, they said those are not real jobs evan these are not things you can do you should go to school for business business is good do that so i, I did that 
I went through for uh, went to university for communication, uh, which is the art and science of how humans make meaning out of the world, and with a minor in business, which is how you trick people into giving you money. Um, and then uh, after that, I went through a co-op program and ended up at uh, my very first sort of like. That wasn't my first real job. I had weird jobs before that. But the first time doing something creative was on a co-op where I was thrown into, it's called Army Multimedia at the time. It was the Canadian Forces internal news station. So I was thrown in there. On the strength of the interview, they said, well, have you ever used After Effects before? Like, I did. I've used that in high school a bunch. Look at my lightsaber videos. What do you think of this? And they're like, okay, good. You now know the most about After Effects of all the interns. You are now... The post-production guy enjoy this uh have you spent any time uh in the armed services myself no yeah no okay well it's an interesting attitude uh, especially <laughs> when it uh, bounces up against uh creative people there's an interesting attitude that i really love the idea that it's like an optimism about what humans can achieve and how flexible a person can be so it was in that environment that i learned to create things quickly under pressure and correctly because well by the end of the day we need to see these titles and uh, you will have them done oh i'll have them done eh? well i don't know how to do that yet well, that's too bad you should go find out <laughs> and uh, because you'll either have them done or uh, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get some yelling that's what's gonna happen next so but the people there were pretty pretty great and you know i never agitated anybody because i was accomplishing things all the time so it was the first kind of jump getting jumped into motion design at that point now, how did you get into making YouTube videos? Oh, boy. <laughs> that's, a, that's an even weirder uh, confluence. A bunch of buddies of mine were like, oh, we, we should make sketch comedy. That's fun on YouTube. And this is early YouTube. So go back back before. A lot of the videos have been called away at this point. But think about proto-YouTube. Like before before there were even networks, before there were, before there were lots of things. Early days. And uh, like, we should put sketch comedy. I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's do it. Because I thought I was very funny, which is untrue. But uh, people, <laughs> opinion, opinion varies. Um, but uh, I, I've never, never assumed that I was a, a hilarious person. Uh, so I was doing like effects stuff because when you have no money, <laughs> you need to do a lot of things in post that you can't do. Like, oh, we, this should be set in space. Like, how do we do that? Okay, well, here's an idea. <laughs> We're going to get a big green sheet. And we're gonna we're gonna green screen it. So a lot of the stuff I was doing there was was making things look nice in post was their their thing. So while they were posting that stuff, I thought, you know what, I'll put the how to stuff up and see if people like that. You know, maybe it'll funnel traffic around. Now wouldn't you know it, the how to stuff was way more popular than the original content ever would aspire to be. And I was like, oh wait a minute. This is actually engaging and worthwhile. Like there were people who were coming around asking a lot of questions and you know, I'm helping them out and it's, it's a really self-reinforcing cycle where I just feel good because people are enjoying the knowledge and it encouraged me to re-examine things as well. Like when you make a tutorial, you really have to critically examine, or at least you should be if you're making a tutorial, you should be critically examining the method you're, you're talking about, uh, the process, how are you simplifying these ideas? And I just found it incredibly enjoyable to make that happen. And, you know, it, it caught on and I was like, oh, man, this is fun. I like hanging out with other nerds on the Internet. Why not? And YouTube was nicer back then, I guess. I mean, I've, I haven't run afoul of any, any of the 
incredible negativity a lot of people sometimes find on the YouTube. So maybe I'm very insulated, but, uh, you know, I just kind of let things roll off me like water on a duck. So, By the way, do you get any negative comments? Curious. <laughs> Comment number one, Evan talks too much. <laughs> um, that's a big thing that people don't like. Uh, people do not like me uh, gabbing on. And to them I say, well, that's a shame. You came to the wrong place. Uh, sorry, wrong channel. Because a lot of folks, when they're looking for a solution on YouTube, they're looking to make a cookie. Think about this. Like, mm-hmm. I want to make raisin chocolate chip cookie. You know, so well, how to make raisin chocolate chip cookie. And if I'm not told in five minutes how to come up with a raisin chocolate chip cookie, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, like uh, I, I demand you give me that. However, I'm not interested in telling you how to make one cookie. That's not very interesting to me. I want to teach you about the Ur cookie. I want to teach you how to cookie in general. You want to put raisins in there? Go nuts. You want to put, put chocolate chips in there? That's on you. However, I will teach you why you would put baking powder, baking soda. What do those do? What's the purpose? Why is your butter this? Why is your butter not melted but softened? <laughs> and the point is so that someone can watch the video and solve a problem that is not generating the exact thing that is at the end of the video because that way they can go and solve their own problems they're able to think critically about the thing they're trying to get to and get themselves there because really you know if oh i've i've made the one thing you know how wonderful i've i've done chroma keying under these ideal situations if the situation changes how do you solve that problem and uh, that's the thing that i want people to be able to do i want people to be able to actively solve their own problems now, speaking of negativity on Facebook, on Facebook, YouTube, uh, everywhere, <laughs> yeah, everywhere, social media. Now, how do you deal with it? You know, my, my twin brother, Sergey, right? He does tutorials as well. And every once in a while, I mean, English is our fourth language. So, I mean, it's, it's hard as is trying to do tutorials <laughs> in English. And every once in a while, somebody will, will say something, oh, you mumble too much or something like that. I love his approach. And I'm curious to see if you have a similar approach. Now, he immediately likes the comment and subscribes to the channel. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, I don't know. It makes him feel better. Do you mm-hmm. do anything like that? I tend to ignore a lot of things. Like if it's not, um, now that being said, some people's angry comments are clearly a, a cry for help. And there's a, there's a real fine line because sometimes I would love to give people the most sarcastic, you know, <laughs> retort sometimes. But I, I just think like, who is that serving? You know, who is it serving to engage with someone who isn't even engaged with the content? You know, they're not... They're not here. They're not commenting because they want to to engage with someone. They don't want to be convinced that they're wrong. Generally, people want to make noise and be looked at. And there is really no purpose in satisfying those urges. If someone is 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 coming at me from a place of frustration, like, oh, I couldn't understand these things. The tutorial is bad. Right. That's, you know, I'll respond to that. I'll say, hey, you know, I, I see you're getting stuck here. If you have a question, you let me know. I'll help you through it. You know, we're all in this thing together. I really empathize with people who are get frustrated because I was a very frustrated child myself back in the day. Everything was so hard. Everything's so difficult. Couldn't understand why things just didn't come naturally. You know, why is it when I draw a dog, it looks it looks nothing like the dog in my mind? You know, what is wrong with the universe? And that's that's a feeling that I can really. I can really relate to. So I don't want those people to feel like, yeah, you are alone. You know, I'm, I'm not, 
and I don't ever think of myself as, as particularly talented anyway. You know, you can become good at something just by working hard. So if I can encourage someone to get over this lump <laughs> and work hard at it, that's the solution that we both need, really. You know, and it's interesting because you said something that things didn't come natural to you. Now, did After Effects come natural to you? Um, I don't think so. I mean... Because most people think Evan Abrams is probably like... Yeah, it came so natural to him, and that's why he's teaching everybody. <laughs> but I, it's not true with Sergey, for example. He had to work hard at it, and it sounds like you know you you worked very hard to get to where you are. Um, yeah. So uh, I first started using After Effects when it was, I think, version six. And that's not version CS six. This is this is pre CS time, I believe. Back in so long ago, the interface wasn't as nice. You know, the, there were a lot of things that were not great. The only help for us because this is sort of a again we were living off dial-up internet um, I remember those days yeah yeah so this is way way long time ago my first time i touched after effects was in high school like grade nine stuff in canada we have high school and grade nine for those uh, in europe i have no idea what the uh, what the conversion is but just imagine it's the thing you're doing before you go to college and so using it in that environment it's all right. I didn't have a lot of pressure though. Like it wasn't like, you know, you got you got to do these things right now. It was like just a kid messing around. It's like skateboarding, you know. Who cares if you fall off a bunch of times, you know, when there's no pressure, you know. So it certainly was. It certainly didn't click right away. Not in the same way that uh, Photoshop made sense right away. It's like, oh, I understand this. Okay, this is a brush. Ooh, neat. But in After Effects, uh, it did not make a whole lot of sense. Uh, right away but you know I was uh, you know such a popular kid I had a lot of time to really get into it um, I don't know I don't know what to tell you there it became kind of an obsession I'm also somebody who loves puzzles you know I love solving like a crossword puzzle that's really great I love escape rooms I've always been fascinated with puzzles and to me After Effects looked like a puzzle it felt like a challenge I know, I know that these great things can be made with it. I know these amazing outputs are there. You know, I want to get, I want to get to those outputs. What dials do I turn? What things do I, do I do to make that happen? And uh, what yeah. advice would you give to someone who is frustrated, like is learning After Effects right now, and they just can't seem to break through? Mm. So if you're frustrated with something, first thing you want to do is take a step back from it. You know. And real, go back to why you're touching it in the first place. You know, it doesn't matter if it's After Effects or if it's drawing or whatever. Go back and and reconsider why am I doing this in the first place? What motivates me? Why did I start picking this up? What do I want to achieve? Where do I want to go? It's like being stranded in a desert. You can't walk through the desert if you're staring at the path in front of you. You have to look at the fixed mountain in the distance. And only by looking at the goal and knowing this is where I want to get to, do any of the steps have meaning and, and value to you. Because you can become mired in, in oh, this, is, this isn't working. Everything I try is, is failing. Um, I'm not finding the solutions that I want. Go back to the goal. Go back to what do I want to achieve? Why do I want to achieve that thing? Sometimes it's just as simple as step away from it from, for time. Let those feelings cycle through you, get a drink of water, go for a walk around the block, come back to it. If you're frustrated in, in a learning endeavor, 
that knowledge must have value to you in some capacity. And this is this is where you know people need to sort of grit their teeth and get into it, maybe. But you don't it's not you don't need to earn knowledge through suffering. That's not the point. The point is to earn knowledge and to become close to the material and to engage with the material. If you have a negative experience and doing a thing, learning a thing, you're probably not going to have a positive experience <laughs> when you're using the thing. You'll remember all the trauma that it did to you instead. And uh, and that's not good. I mean, it, you want to try to give yourself a positive feeling about a thing. Now, something I'll say is when learning things, if your goal is a large and lofty thing, it's like, oh, I want to, I want to achieve this giant, beautiful piece. I want to get there. You have to break it into smaller, discrete chunks that are manageable and are achievable. If you're, if you say, I'll only, and in your mind, I'll only be happy when I've done the big thing. You know, I'll only be happy when I finish painting this five by six canvas. I'll only, only be happy when I finish editing this, I finish, you know, drawing or all these things. I'm going to do a, a two minute explainer video. That's my goal. Back it up. Hold up. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of elements going on. How about we break that into multiple pieces, break it down into scenes, break those scenes down into assets, you know, think about compartmentalizing these things. Then you can say, all right, how do I achieve the scene that I want? That's a discrete part and then of that scene well which parts of this are, are really giving me the trouble which parts do i not fully understand what can i achieve what can i not achieve yet and you need to break it into tiny bits and the smaller bits you can do you know and if you you break things down and you start getting these little bits like oh yeah now i've, I've done a scene i nailed it you get that little endorphin hit You're like oh yes i did the thing and now you feel more more empowered to do the next thing and the next thing when I started out, I was tackling things that were too big too soon. And you have to, you have to eat the whale in tiny bites. Um, That's great the advice. Now, I'm yeah. curious to hear your take on this. So I asked this probably every guest that comes on. Because this, there's a constant battle between should I go to college for motion graphics? Should I not go to college? And like, so let's say those are listening. They're still in high school and they're considering this. They don't know if their parents are pressuring them to go to college and they're not <laughs> sure if they need to go that route or not. What is, if you had a child today who was graduating from high school, what would you tell your child? Uh, I would tell them to get out of my house. Um, <laughs> thing number one. Um, <laughs> um, I, I always believe that secondary education, post-secondary education is valuable. It has a value because you leave the nest. And this is regardless of what course you take. So just college in general. Should I go to college? Yes, no. Generally, I would say the, the answer is yes. Definitely go to a college if you can afford it. If it's, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of benefits beyond the course when you go to a college, no matter what course you're taking. You are going to be immersed in a group of people who are going through the same struggle that you're going through. You will have life experiences that you otherwise would not have. You will be made uncomfortable in ways that are important to be made uncomfortable. You will have to feed and clothe yourself uh, outside of the home, which is valuable. These are skills valuable to humans in our modern world that if you have never lived apart from your mama and dada, then <laughs> you may not acquire these things. To, to be thrown, to be truly alone um, 
in the universe like that is helpful because it tests you. It shows you who you are when you are not uh, supported. And that is helpful. Builds grit. But should you go, I'm thinking about getting motion graphics and Papa Evan, should I go to college? Uh, it's a real toss up. On the one hand, a formal arts education gives you structure and structure in the fundamentals in a way that is very valuable. Having a firm underpinning of design is, and the fundamentals of design is essential to any kind of design-related thing. If you're going to make furniture, you're going to make architecture, you're going to make motion graphics, that 101 course, definitely very helpful. And to be drilled on that thing is very helpful to have to ensure a firm foundation. You can achieve that without going to college though, definitely possible. If you are highly disciplined, if you are highly motivated, if you are immersing yourself in these things, you can achieve that, no worries. One thing that's good about an arts education is that you end up coming out the other end of it, if you're going to do a good school, you're gonna end up with a portfolio of work, you're gonna have a body of work at the end of it. This is a portfolio of stuff that has been developed, that has been critiqued, that your peers have collaborated with you on, that your professors have crapped on you about, and hopefully that is a body of work that has value. The other component that any college you're considering should have is a co-op program or an internship program, uh, and especially one that has good placement numbers. So having not only the theoretical time, but these inroads into a place of work so you can experience the real work of the job you intend to do in a soft way, say it's a soft way in. Now, granted, there's a lot of controversy about should I be paid for an internship, all these other things. It's, it's hard, hard to come down either way, because really, if you're going to spend four months of a semester, you're going to be spending four months working at a place amidst people who are doing the thing. Ideally, you're doing real labor and they're, they're entrusting you with real things. So it's very subjective, right? You could, one person could have a college experience and they could end up, they could also get an internship, but they end up getting coffee for everybody. They could end up, you know, not getting an internship. They could be in a program that, that doesn't teach them good fundamentals. The ideal situation, the ideal college will prepare you reasonably for a career in the field you're studying and will give you it'll really throw you into the pool. So you're like, okay, well, now you can go and see if you can actually apply the thing you've learned. And if you wash out, that's fine too. Then you know without trying to jump into a career, which is intimidating and dangerous, not like physically dangerous, but emotionally dangerous, because you could fail, and failure is hard and sad, and people will be like, oh, why am I not, why is the thing not going, blah, blah, blah. But there are many alternatives to classic education. Like there's online stuff that's pretty good. Like a, a solid codified curriculum is usually helpful because it, it can take an unstructured mind and give it structure. Now, speak, speaking of uh, career, you mentioned earlier, it's, it's scary, it's dangerous. Now, I heard you say something on the, I think it was an interview on YouTube someone did. And you said something about uh, avoid calling yourself a freelancer. And, but call yourself what you do. I'm curious to hear more about that. Can you elaborate on that? That might have been me. Tough to say. <laughs> I, I say a lot of things. Um, freelancer is vague, right? Mm -hmm. um, you might as well call yourself a mercenary or something. Um, Self-definition is important for other definition. If I call myself something, hopefully you will call me that thing too. 
uh, because we're giving it a label. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm describing the thing I do. What does a freelance uh, fence maker call himself? Calls himself a fencer. You know, he makes fences. What does a freelance uh, framer do? He calls himself a carpenter. These are these are words that have meaning. So all my family are in trades, pretty much. We got millwrights, we got bricklayers, we got carpenters. These are specific unionized trade jobs that hold a card of some kind. You have some. You've passed a series of tests and things to say that you are this person. You are an apprentice carpenter. You are a journeyman carpenter. Those sorts of labels are important because they tell someone what you do and what you would do for them. And it's a it's a shorthand to say, oh, I'm a motion graphic designer. Good. Is there anything else we need to know about you? No, that's about it. And I'm here to do motion graphics for you. <laughs> you know, if you say, well, I'm a I'm a freelance motion graphic designer. Oh, that's wonderful. But you could just as easily call yourself. Well, I'm in a I'm a very tiny agency of one person or I'm a very tiny studio of one person. You could just say I'm a person who does the thing. You know, it's uh the way you phrase and frame yourself and how you view yourself will impact the way others view you as well. And so it's true. And I think like it's, we're so, it's so easy. Like for Ukraine media, for example, we wanted to put ourselves in the box first before other people put us in the box. So hmm. I think it's very important to figure out what is it you want to be known for? What, you, what is it you want to do? And, and then put yourself in the box first and start calling yourself that instead of having them it's kind of i think like a lot of rock bands have a problem or just musicians <laughs> have a problem with that you know sometimes so, uh, i will say this though if you're one person and you call yourself a studio you better hire a second person <laughs> um, because or you should at least have some kind of infrastructure and framework around you words like studio agency these words have meaning you know and when a client comes and works with someone who is an agency they expect an agency type of service so that's something to consider. And it, it's, it can be challenging. When I first started out, I noticed a lot of people who I was working with, they were, I don't know, they were like something.llc. Like, oh, that's wonderful. You're a company who all works there. Oh, it's just me. No, it's just you, eh? But you didn't want to trade on your own name. Interesting. What's the problem? <laughs> like, are you a criminal? <laughs> are you hiding from something? You know, what's going on? And the idea is, well, my name carries no weight, you know, I'm just me. I'm just a guy. Right. But your company name is just a company name. You know, what am I supposed to take away from that? A name is just a name until it has meaning. You know, there's there's if there's a body of work associated with a name. Great. If there's a lot of press associated with a name. Also great. But if there's nothing, if it's a blank slate, one is just as valuable as the other. And it, it is devoid of meaning. There's an impression that, you know, this person this is a company. And then once you see behind the curtain, oh, it's a company of one person. Well, that's not as good, is it? That's that's a bit of a sad thing. It's when the cake deflates, I guess. Or there's, so I used to, I worked at, in inter, internet advertising uh, for a little bit. And we worked with a lot of places that would, for example, set up six email addresses for a one person company. So you can email accounts receivable, you could email accounts payable, you could, you know, email all these people at the company. There's only one person getting those emails, you know, and, you know, once that veneer comes off, it's not as nice anymore. In fact, it looks very bad, you know, so just just be honest with what you are and what you do. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to. There's, a, there's an idea that you should you should present as the thing you aspire to be which is great, 
but you should you should just work on being that. Just be the thing. Is that why you uh, your website is evanabrams.com? Like, is it is that why from the day one you decided to put your name instead of creating a company name? It's also because I'm incredibly vain. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, also, I need to I need to defend my name against all the other Evan Abramses in the world. That's true. Um, this is uh, you have a duty. I'm putting I'm putting all the other Evan Abramses on blast out there right now. I'm talking to you, lawyer Evan Abrams in New York, whose emails <laughs> I receive. Uh, That's funny. I'm, I'll tell you this: if you're a lawyer in New York, and somehow I'm getting your emails. That's a problem. That's a big problem. But yeah, I, I chose to trade under my own name because I always assumed I would I would end up having kind of a mercenary relationship with my lifestyle and, and my business, sort of jumping from place to place, solving problems for clients, solving mysteries, and uh, moving on. Like I, uh, I always assumed, you know, I would be doing something, uh, something under my own name. I'm I'm very hesitant, or perhaps trepidatious about having a studio and, and having people work under me and, and depending on the captain for their livelihood. You know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big thing to undertake. So I don't know if I would ever really do that because it's, it's scary. There's a, there's a responsibility and I know not everyone feels this responsibility. We know that there are people who own companies who feel no responsibility to the people who work under them. But just from, from where I come from and, and, how how I was raised, I suppose. I believe that if you own a company, you have a responsibility to the people who work under you, whether they're freelancers, contractors, full-time employees. If you're at the top of a value chain, the people under you, you have a responsibility to them to be a good steward of these people. And it's it's um, with with power, which you do have through the way money flows, you have to be willing to be responsible for them in some capacity. And uh, I mean, I also don't have children, so you can tell how responsible I like being for other people uh, very minimally. You know, I'm fine to, to help people out. I like I like people to be buoyed along and, and to share knowledge, but to be responsible for somebody else's livelihood is no. terrifying. Right. No, I, I totally understand. I mean, I have two kids, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I'm curious to to hear your take on uh, this. is like this is the most sensitive topic. Everybody always struggles. I get we get emails all the time about this. Now the whole hourly rate or just how do you set prices while working mm. with clients? Do you have like a certain system that you subscribe to? What, what is it you do? What, what works yeah. for you? So at the end of the day, your hourly rate is is what it is. How you communicate to a client that hourly rate really depends on how they're comfortable with receiving information. So I'm going to I'm going to drop some some communication nerd stuff on you here but I'm ready. There all communication despite the fact that we are both humans we have a lot of shared commonality but despite the fact that a client and a freelancer or a client and an account manager they're all people we're all in the same field it is still an asymmetrical communication because one person's subjective experience is not the same as the other. So when I tell someone what my hourly rate is, that may have very little meaning to them because, for example, they might just simply have a fixed price budget line for this particular piece they want to make, right? That could be the scenario they're in. You know, we have, we have 5,000 bucks to achieve these marketing goals. Where do you fit into that? And you tell them, well, I'm going to bill you, I don't know, 
35 an hour, 50 an hour, 75 an hour. And then they're like, okay, I don't know what to do about that. What, what do you want me to do with that? How many hours is it going to take, right? And then it's simple multiplication. We just times the hours by the amount of the number of hours by how much it's worth. Oh, now we have a flat number. That's a number I understand, right? So not everyone's going to understand an hourly rate, a day rate. Not everyone's going to understand where do the hours go? Why do you use so many hours? Why is the hourly rate what it is? You know, these are all questions that people have if they, if they don't automatically understand the answers. They have the questions, they might ask them, or they might make some assumptions instead. So, for example, you're communicating this over email, let's say. You're emailing back and forth with someone. Stop doing that. Don't do that. <laughs> stop, stop emailing people. Get, them, get the phone number. Call someone. Pick up the phone and talk to the other human. And then you can have a discussion. So you're not like, well, this is my hourly rate. I'm like, okay, peace out. No thanks. Um, which is what you didn't want. You didn't want to lose that client. And you lost them because there was information not there there's something missing now if you're working for like a production company or you're freelancing at a studio that kind of thing you're just you're just coming in you're doing a thing they're more comfortable they know what hourly rate means and they have a reasonable expectation about what people can accomplish within a certain time frame so yeah the the purpose of having a discussion about rate is because someone wants to achieve a goal at a specific price point now how do you find out if that goal is achievable? What do you do? My discussions with people are, are always two sides. I say to them, all right, you can either tell me your dreams and I'll put a price tag on it. Or, you know, you can tell me the price that you want to pay. I'll tell you what dream you can afford. These are the two modes. You want to start at the end or you want to start at the beginning. However, you need to couch that in the idea that if I'm going to give you a number we need to talk about, you know, we need to, <laughs> that needs to be a discussion, not here's a hard line and that's it. Because some people, their goals don't necessarily line up with the amount of cash they have to spend on it, right? I want a three minute explainer video, a lot of 3D elements, a lot of hand drawn elements. How much money do you have? Well, I have $500. So look at my money. I could spend it. Like, eh, that's not going to fly, right? That's not realistic because the number of hours involved, et cetera. Just like you couldn't get your car fixed. Uh, you couldn't get you can get the muffler put back on for that much money. Wouldn't happen. You know, it's just sometimes the price is the price. And there's a certain amount of flexibility that humans cannot bend to. But ensuring that you are at least having a conversation, worst case scenario, uh, someone says, oh, I can't afford that. And then you say, OK, you can't afford it. That's fine. Not everyone can drive around a Lexus. Not everybody is uh, not everybody's having their their plumbing done by the highest rated plumber. Some of them are having to do their own plumbing. That's a reality of market economics, et cetera. Now, that's not to say that there is certainly a pricing imbalance and a certain amount of skew that takes place when there are more people available to do jobs than there are jobs for them to do. So that happens in a marketplace. But that's not to say that you should abandon good account management practices. Account management practices, of course, the fancy word for talking to people who would like to pay you to do something. And that's maybe a skill that doesn't get taught in uh, formal art education, former, formal arts and design. Usually you get one course <laughs> out of the whole four years about dealing with clients, which is too bad because that is a lot of the job. Yeah. It's so much of the job 
wherever you are in the value chain are if you're the grunt doing the labor you're working under a producer, perhaps under a director, maybe you're under a producer and a director. Maybe you're under an art director and then further layers of directors, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's layers. And all these layers are comprised of humans. That's kind of a gross image. But the idea that, you know, the people you deal with are people. They're people just like your people. And although some workplaces are not as bilateral, they're not as communicative, some places are downright, downright hostile where you're going to get unilateral decisions. I'm an old man and I've been here the longest I say to do this and, and you're going to work overtime because I said so. Well, that's kind of a that's a bummer. Workplace should not be that way. But the person yelling at you has a reason. Why are they doing this? You know, sometimes people are just pricks. Maybe maybe that's their life. Can we say that on this podcast? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, we just did. Now, uh, talking about clients, I'm curious to, to hear if you have any like personal, uh, I guess, like worst experiences with clients that you can share. Oh, I would, I would never run down a client uh, on air. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you don't have to say their name. No, no. Uh, and it's, I don't know. I don't think I've had any, I've, I don't think I've had any truly bad uh, experiences, which makes me quite an anomaly. I think. Oh, wow. That means you have it figured out. That's awesome. I guess so. I don't know. I, there have been times where people become frustrated or upset, right? And that happens. But in a good relationship, one fight doesn't turn into a breakup, right? You're married, right? Yes. Okay. So when you have a fight, hey, why don't you pick up the kids on time? You're not getting divorced over that, right? That's like, <laughs> that's your life. That's your day to day. That's life. You know, why is, why are these cupboards open? Well, the cupboards are open because I didn't close them. That's life. You know, with a client, we're so quick. We're so quick to assume the worst out of someone. This email they sent me about these notes. Here's some notes. I don't like the color. I don't like the stroke width. This needs more energy. Comes down the email pipe woo, and lands. Blows up because you're reading it and you're assuming that this person has really given it to you. Just call them. Just say, hey, let's talk about the notes. <sighs> let's talk about the notes you've got. It's not that bad. This person wants a beautiful product. You want to make a beautiful product. Make the beautiful product together. You know, and it. you have to shift your mentality sometimes. I understand a lot of people like, oh, these are unreasonable, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes to the person saying the thing, they don't think it's unreasonable. They're not, they didn't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to really mess with this guy, you know? No, it's a good point you make because a lot of times people are scared to pick up the phone and call, especially these days. Like I think uh, old school folks, you know, they're all about picking up the phone and calling, but like the 21st century, like the millennials, you know, myself included, it's so yeah. much easier to just text or send an email, but there's so much miscommunication that can go through the email, yes. especially if English is your fourth language. So <laughs> I learned that it's best to pick up the phone and like you said, the like clients don't wake up in the morning and thinking like, how can I ruin someone's day? Everybody wants for things to work out. You know, everybody yeah. wants to have a peaceful transaction. Unless your unless your client is like Skeletor or something, right. like, oh, I'm going to get you now. You know, <laughs> here's some notes for I can't remember the guy's name. I was going to say He Man, but that's not his real name. Um, anyway, someone correct me in the comments. <laughs> so like, uh, I hope, that, yeah, I'm sh the online community is good for corrections, right? <laughs> yeah, let me know the real name of He Man. <laughs> now, what are some good habits to your success? Oh boy. Good habits. Habit number one, do things on time. Great habits. Uh, 
part of part of that habit is say what you're going to do and do what you say. Um, this is this goes back to cowboy times, you know. No one no one can take you seriously if you don't do the thing you're going to you say you're going to do, right? If I say I'm going to have it by Tuesday, it's in your inbox on Tuesday, you know. And if that's not going to happen, I don't call you Tuesday morning and tell you it's not going to happen. I'm calling you as things are deteriorating so that you know Hey, we're not going to make Tuesday. Well, thanks. You know, it's it's the weekend right now. I'm glad you called me on Sunday morning to let me know. You know, but communication is important. That's habit number one: is communicate openly, honestly, and truthfully with people. That's uh, that's a good habit to be in. And not that people, I'm not <laughs> listener. I'm not saying that you're lying to people. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that you could stand to be more more open with folks. Oh, the project isn't going well. Well, you should let you could let somebody know. It doesn't mean you're a failure if if something's not going well. Stakeholders need to know. So that's thing number one. Say what you're going to do. Do do what you say. Um, and that comes in many forms in, in many places, comes in, comes in handy in your personal life, comes in handy everywhere you go and <laughs> in, in everything you do is to have a bit of integrity. So um, another habit, I guess, is that, um, try to wake up at the same time every day, try to make that happen, have some measure of like, uh, like routine in my life, the life of someone who is is working freelance someone who is has a, kind of a nebulous relationship with time they don't have to be at an office at a certain time if you work from home you don't have to commute but a life without structure can devolve into nothing's really happening you know if you don't set schedules you don't set reminders if you don't write things down write them down write things down physically i will get up at seven i will eat breakfast i will brush my teeth you know and those are the things you will do. You will do them because you wrote down that you would do them. Make it make something firm and concrete uh, in your life. And a lot of people I was talking to someone actually just last night. They work from home as well. They're like, how do you organize your day? I'm like by hour, <laughs> you know, that's uh, regimented. Uh, have you ever seen like a The Great Escape or other yeah, such oh yeah. movies? I've seen The Great when Escape. They, British POWs are like, look, I know we're in a bad situation, but we're still going to iron our shirts. We're still going to shave every day because we're going to stay tough. We're going to stay mentally tough on this regiment. You could easily just, oh, I'm going to roll up to my desk wearing some sweatpants. I'm not going to rock any socks today. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing slacks right now. You know, it's uh, I, I dress <laughs> dress the way I'm going to play. You know, you don't. You're from Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you I lived there for uh, well, I went to a lot of hockey games, but I lived in Columbus for eight years. So Blue, okay. Blue Jackets went there a couple of times. There's a tradition in hockey games that you show up to your away games. You show up to your game wearing a full suit, right? This is a tradition in a lot of sports. The reason you show up in a suit is because you're going to work. You're going to the highest level of work in that field. You dress like the thing you're about to do. The thing you're doing is professional be professional. So that's, again, part of having structure to my day. I'm going to put on a college shirt because I know when I wear a college shirt, I know I'm at work. When I'm not at work, I'm not wearing a college shirt. That's how you can tell by visual inspection what's going on. These are things I do to signify to myself, now is work time. I signify to my, you know, to a college shirt feels a different way than a t-shirt. 
your body just feels different. You hold yourself differently. And that's kind of important, I think, to have those mental switches. That's great advice. Wow. If you never know when you're on, you never know when you're off. Right. Well, I remember in soccer, I remember they played soccer all my life, me and my brother, mm-hmm. and they made us tuck in their shirts. You know, you think, yep. like, what's what's the point of everybody had to tuck in their shirts? Because, you know, if you look sloppy, you play sloppy. And there's something about yes. that, uh, that, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And you talked about, you know, schedule things in. I, you know, I've been married for eight years, and for about six of those years, like, it was... I don't know. I feel like our life was a little, there was not much balance to it. And then my wife, you know, I always say my wife is my wisdom because she really is very wise. And she, she's just like, let's just structure a week. Like, let's say, cause I have two sons and I felt like I never spent enough time with them. And so she's like, okay, Tuesday is, uh, is going to be your personal day. Wednesday is going to be like, let's say for example, like it's you and Ashton time. My boy, his name is Ashton. And so it's like every day of the week, let's schedule. So that way, by the end of the week, you you kind of balanced your way out. So it's like I did. I had my personal time. I spent time with my family, and, and you know we scheduled dates in because if you don't, it will just never happen. So calendar yes. is very important. And so you were talking about that reminded me of it's so true. It does work if you just work the calendar. Yeah, and it's something. I'm being thirty now. I realize. If I don't schedule time to hang out with the people I care about, I will literally not see them, you know, because that's life when you get older, you know, that people fall into their own channels. And that's true of if you want to improve, oh, I want to improve, you know, my my hand drawing, you know, well, you should probably write down on a calendar. When are you when are you going to draw? When are you going to spend the time to improve towards that goal you want to get to? And it's it's super important. And like I was saying you know, if you're always if you're always in a nebulous state, you're need you're not as effective in any state. You can neither relax fully nor can you produce fully um, because you are not engaged in that mode. So it's for that reason that I really recommend people have set periods of activity and periods of inactivity. Some researchers say that it should be like 47 minutes on. 12 minutes off or something like that. And that cycle repeats throughout the day. Yeah. I think Jim Rohn said something to, I can't, don't quote me on this, but he said something yeah. about like when you work, work, when you play, play, but don't mix the two. And it's right. so true. Be present in whatever it is you're doing right now. Don't try to, you know, a lot of times this happens to me all the time. I'm with what, in my, with my kids, but at the same time I'm thinking about the future mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, so, but it's so hard is the skill that's so hard to uh, to master. What do you do with that? How do you unplug yourself from YouTube and everything else? Oh, man. So I have a few things that I do throughout the day. Uh, one thing is that I only respond to, read, and answer emails at certain intervals. So that does not intrude on my day. I have, <laughs> I have a clock that goes off. <laughs> oh, time to get away from the computer. Goodbye. Zoom. <laughs> You know, I've disengaged the clock, so we're we're good to <laughs> good to chat for a while. Um, but having that that physical reminder is just oh, time to go now. Now I will I will go do something else. And the thing you do needs to be unlike the thing you were doing. So I'm sitting at a computer. I'm I'm moving a mouse around. I'm straining my eyes at a screen. I'm not going to go play video games. That's not the break. That's not the break from the thing I was doing. The break is to go maybe lift some weights. Maybe the break is to go meditate. You know, maybe the break is to, you know, work on a puzzle that's uh, that's on the kitchen table. Something that is not the thing you were just doing. If it's, oh, I'm going to take a break from, I'm going to take a break from animating to check my tweets. Oh, and I'm going to check them on the same machine that I animate. You know, 
if I was in that environment, like just imagine Evan runs in the door and starts starts slapping that person. You know, this is no stop, 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 because you're turning the space, the physical space, into a shared thing. You know, it is both the thing you animate on and the thing you check Twitter on. So it's easy to slide. Like, oh, now I'm just gonna. Oh well, maybe I'll just check my tweets a little bit. bit. Oh, no, no, no. Those things are interfering. They're they're polluting each other. You know, stop doing that. Don't let those things cross pollute each other. And at least having set defined times where things are accessible or inaccessible is useful. But when you start to cross pollute things, it's not helpful. Certainly you need, oh, I'm, I'm stuck on an animation problem. I got to do a little bit of research, boop, 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 boop. Or I got to reach out on Twitter, da, 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 do these things. But so much of the time we're just, oh, I'm just idly clicking through, reading some tweets, you know, that's not, that's not a, a, a productive thing. And neither, neither is it a wholly relaxing thing. I'll say that. If the goal is to relax yourself, maybe don't read Twitter. That's not really relaxing for it's your so mind. Yeah, it, it's it's an expenditure of emotional energy. I don't want to talk too much about energy. I'm not that into like crystals or whatever. But <laughs> humans do, we have a certain amount of mental energy. Like the mind is a muscle like any other muscle in your body. It's not exactly the same, but it's it's similar. And any mental function you have can be trained. You can literally train to be more focused. You can train to extend the period of time in which you can remain attuned to one task. We know you can train it because people are trained to do it. They train people in special forces in the army to do it. They train people, high-level athletes, to do it. The training exists. It is possible. Your mind is not trapped in the same configuration it is right now that's something if you're ever feeling oh but my brain is so undisciplined like don't sweat it give it time you if you wish to train your mind you can it's definitely possible i'm holding you over i'm looking i just looked at the time like oh my god i told you you i got time well one last question well i I might ask you another one but uh what is your what's what's next for you Hmm. Oh boy, I got a bunch of clipboards on the wall. Let's pick one here. It says, <laughs> uh, make an actually useful class, um, it says. So uh, to create some kind of intro program, there's plenty of them out there though. So that clipboard is kind of kind of falling by the wayside a little bit. But that's definitely one of the goals is to have some kind of codified thing that I can point people to, to say, learn. If you If you have basic questions, this is the foundation you require. Another thing, though, is is to sort of produce, uh, probably make more digital goods. That's a thing coming up with the expansion of uh, motion graphics templates. That's definitely something that I consider. I've had a lot more clients come around and ask for templature. Here's our current branding. Make us some templates. I'm like, oh, man, that's a thing. You definitely make that a little bit. That's not huge and exciting, you know, unfortunately. That's not like a... It's not like I'm reinventing the wheel over here. Um, what else is going on for Evan? Supposed to be traveling to Europe at a certain point. Got to go see uh, nice. our Dutch family. That's a thing coming up. Let's see. What other fun things might be going on for Evan in the future? Are you going to be on Adobe Max? I will not. No. I, I, I don't travel that much. I mean, at the current time, I don't, I don't plan on being there right now. That could change. I'm sure you've seen, I've, I've been on uh, the Adobe Live yes. uh, Behance stuff uh, four times out. It's been a lot of fun at the time of recording. I love hanging out with the Adobe team. They do really interesting stuff over there. I love their, they have a whole team of people who are working towards creating programming, which I think is, is very interesting. And I just love that 
they they both make the tool and they are interested in cultivating the use of the tool through knowledge sharing and through uh, inspiration it's so interesting there are there are companies that make software but they have no interest really in inspiring people to make the software part of their lives people have a relationship with the tool they use so if you ask anyone who like does a lot of carpentry what tool what kind of tool do you use well they say well i'm a dewalt man because that is the tool i use every day i have a relationship with that tool you know in the same way we interact with the software every day um for multiple hours a day you're staring at the interface if you don't think you have a relationship with the tool wait till it crashes and see how you feel you know right. if you didn't have a relationship with it why are you so angry um that's uh you know, something to consider. And I just love that they're they're working to inspire people to, you know, make use of something in, in different and unique ways because the piece means different things to different people. Another goal of mine is actually to get back to making regular content. That's been a goal every year. I promise myself this year, I'm going to get back to making weekly tutorials. Look at me go. I'm going to do it. And then I have a spurt of activity where I'm able to achieve things and then just like it happens to everybody that you know client projects run over there's pollution throughout the schedule things are bleeding into each other and suddenly that that day that i set aside to create content is now it's a half day you know oh now it's a quarter day you know <laughs> things 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 get squeezed so i need to constantly sort of re up and reaffirm i'm going i'm going to do this i'm going to accomplish it i'm going to get things done Another tip for people is don't beat yourself up, you know, and, oh, I didn't accomplish the thing. Okay. We acknowledge that. You don't need to feel super bummed about that for a long period of time. You know, acknowledge you didn't do the thing, affirm that you're going to do it, do it better next time. Go and do that thing. It's, uh, you don't need to spend a lot of cycles. Oh, bad me. I didn't do the thing. I'm such a failure. Stop that. No, stop doing that. Life's too short. You know, you gotta, gotta get yourself back on the horse every time. So, yeah, more content on YouTube is a big thing that I want to commit to. Actually engaging with people on uh, on the Twitter would be a thing I'm going to try to do more often. Just try to carve out more community time is is the real problem because I I end up in a it's a I know, oh, boo hoo. I have so many client projects to do. You know, you know, that's a that's a good problem to have, I guess. But it's something that you know, being more efficient with those projects so that I have have the time to engage with folks. Now, anyway. how can people get in touch with you? Oh, boy. If people want to get in touch with Evan, uh, you should hit me up on the Twitter, at E.C. Abrams on the Twitter. Head on over to YouTube, uh, E.C. Abrams on there. Check out videos. You can bother me on there. If you need to email me, uh, info at evanabrams.com is probably the best one to use. And, you know, evanabrams.com, again, is, is a place where things end up. That's my name. I'm, I'm the Evan Abrams, the only one. Everyone <laughs> else is just imitating. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, if people want to get at me, those are generally the best ways to uh, make it happen. Well, thank you so much for your time. And you know that the attorney that you get emails from, you should definitely take up one of his, uh, <laughs> one of his, uh, you know, whoever emails him, you should take it on and you should see that if you a, can make some money. That's a crime, sir. You cannot impersonate. Oh, it is? Well, don't listen to me then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's dangerous. <laughs> well, Evan, thank you so much for your time, man. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.
Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Evan Abrams. You can find more information about Evan on his website at evanabrams.com. Again, I just want to remind you that our Expressions course is now available. You can check it out at ukramedia.com slash expressions. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 17. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com slash community. We have over 2,000 people in this group. It's a great resource for those of you that are trying to grow. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ecomedia Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>